0: Greetings, mortals, and welcome to this very special Halloween episode. And for today's episode, I've been pondering and pondering what is the thing that mortal mushy humans are most afraid of? Death. But really, is there anything more terrifying than death itself? How about work? We all need to work, so we may live long enough to earn the right to die. But what if your work was death itself. No, I'm not talking about being a grim reaper, guys. There are actually people who, as part of their work, are exposed to death on a daily basis, and I'm talking about death investigators, autopsy technicians, morticians. Behind the closed doors of a morgue, they take care of the nasty, mushy, squishy business that most of us Do not want to think about. And such a person is my friend Landon, who hosts Autopsy Podcast, who I already had, like, at the start of this month. But I am ending spooky season with Landon talking about something that the paranormal community is too afraid to acknowledge facts. The facts of life, but also of death. to the halloween special <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> as i opened up spooky season first of october with landon i thought we should end spooky season with landon here hello I thought it would be such a perfect thing to do this because you actually started your own podcast, Autopsy Podcast, on Halloween originally. So this is yeah. like we are celebrating the birthday of your podcast, not Halloween per se.
1: Yeah. Well, the first episode I finally published on Halloween. Uh-huh. And now, But I feel kind of bad because I haven't updated it in a way in a while (laughs) so but it is technically the birthday of autopsy
0: well yeah well maybe due to the subject matter we're gonna go into maybe this is more of a memorial (laughs) to your podcast
1: (laughs) it's still alive much like michael myers himself
0: (laughs) Yeah, listeners, if you want to hear what happened to Michael Myers, check out Landon's other podcast, Horror Makes You Brave.
1: Yeah, we just recorded about Halloween ends. And before (laughs) we started recording, I was telling you the insane plot of the movie.
0: (laughs) What we're going to do here, like I am a paranormal podcaster. So isn't it kind of redundant that a paranormal podcast has a Halloween episode? Wow. What am I going to talk about that spooky that I'm not talking about, you know, all year long? (laughs) So, you know what scares the paranormal community more than ghosts and cryptids and aliens? Facts. Facts. (laughs) (laughs) And real life. And maybe your job, you know? There's nothing more terrifying than a person's job. And (laughs) (laughs) in your case, all of this is mixed together because you used to be an autopsy technician.
1: Yeah. I assume that if you haven't, if you have listened to our stuff in the past, maybe you know that. But if you don't, yeah, I used to do death investigations and I was an autopsy technician. You kind of asked, you were like, so what do you like? Do you have any like creepy stories? And I was like, yeah, I've got a handful of some of them are creepy and some of them are kind of funny. And so I just sort of scribbled down and some of them are very like, well, that would only happen. In Georgia, (laughs) one of the ones I wrote down.
0: Man, I (laughs) I love this idea because really, what scares people more than hard facts in real life it doesn't get much more real than what you used to do and i want to make a point here that we may be laughing today at these stories essentially this episode is like job horror stories you know we're not going to name any names and we respect the people who are deceased but what what we are laughing at is not the people in question but rather the the burdens of the job
1: Yeah. And sometimes the circumstances are just oh, yeah. like, like so you're not necessarily laughing at the person, but nobody in this world knows exactly when they're going to die and what people are going to find when they do die. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those like, man, some people just get real unlucky <laughs> with that. Card. I, I,
0: I think that's the ultimate like point in your life where all of your dirty secrets are now exposed to the world. And yeah. it's, it's your job as the technician to actually expose yourself to all this privacy of a person that maybe their family will never even be made aware of because essentially your job is to handle all that. So the, the families don't have to handle that stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. And there was and just I guess to briefly keep it on because we'll quickly move away from the Halloween thing, but mm-hmm. um, just sort of on brand for Halloween like we did do some very thorough decorations of our office one year. We're well, two years in a row we decorated for Halloween and we like went all out. <laughs> like people just loved stopping by our office just for all the stuff that we put up. I can probably send you pictures of that. We had like the Stranger Things alphabet wall with the Christmas lights on it. And then uh we had Reagan from Exorcist. We had like a little mannequin doll of her and Spider webs on the ceiling and look like little skeletons everywhere and all kind of light. It was, it was a lot of fun. We weren't really technically allowed to do it. It was one of those, like, we're just going to do this and hope they don't make us take it down. And and they were at least kind enough when they saw what we did, they're like, all right, you can keep it up till the end of October.
0: Well, to keep with the Halloween theme, maybe we should start with the story that involves a costume because it's the most, the least gruesome one. So, you know, the more we get into this, let's get more and more (laughs) fucked up.
1: Yeah. The first, again, and this one, it's like, it's not gruesome, but it plays into what we just talked about of like, man, this is not how you want to be found in this world.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, to the listeners, like disclaimer, if you're going to die, have some courtesy for the people that need to take care of your mangled corpse.
1: Just think about what you're doing, because this was an autoerotic asphyxiation death.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, how common is that actually?
1: for Georgia we might have gotten one maybe once a year but maybe like once every other year like not super common but every once and again
0: okay but but why why do you bring up Georgia in relation to that
1: <laughs> because whenever we went to uh my friend and I went to some training in Colorado in Denver, Colorado at their sheriff's office. So we were mostly surrounded by a bunch of cops and they were starting to talk about, and it was like an in service for most of these people. They just sort of sat there and they didn't really want to be there. They were just getting their hours in for their yearly stuff. Mm -hmm. So everybody was sort of just deflated in their seat, not paying attention until the instructor showed up or until he changed subjects and he started talking about autoerotic asphyxiation deaths and Everybody in the room sort of immediately sat up in their seats. Arms started going up and they, everybody started asking, questions. you would have thought that they have never heard of this. And and these were all cops, like some of them younger, some of them veterans. And they're just like, wait, what is this? Why did like like I thought that this was something not that it's something that happens all the time, but it's a fairly popular thing that people like don't forget when they hear about it. I thought it was something people just commonly knew that this happens every once and again. But apparently not to the folks in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Uh so when I said Georgia, I was like maybe we just see it marginally more in Georgia and some states have never heard of this. Mm. But we would get one every so often. It wasn't something that happened a lot.
0: Okay, so Okay, let, let's go into then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so this case was it was it was an autoerotic like once you've seen one autoerotic asphyxiation death you're you're kind of they're kind of all the same in terms of how it happened because they're all accidental
0: okay so they are not hanging per se but rather kind of leaning or something
1: um they're not hanging in terms of like their feet are off the ground but they are suspended I guess you could say like although there is one I didn't even write this one down the way this dude this dude kind of had a fetish it was basically he liked to wrap himself up tight in like plastic wrap but like i don't know if you know but over here we have like what they call the reynolds wrap it's like plastic but it sort of form fits to like bowls and stuff to like preserve so they have basically a big version of that and like an industrial version of that Mm -hmm. like a big roll and this dude had bought one of these god knows where he'd gotten it and he just liked to wrap himself in it and one day he just wrapped himself too tight and that's Yeah. So he basically like when they brought him in, it's like they brought in like a cocoon. (laughs) Like, cause he was still wrapped in all this stuff when we had to like pull it off of him.
0: Wow, man. Yeah. I can imagine how, how bizarre that is when that comes in. And then you yeah. need to go through the whole process of uh, unwrapping the person.
1: Yeah. And he had a couple other kinks as we unwrap that I won't go into, but okay. you're just like, man, this is not, this is just not how you want anyone to find you. So that was like, that may be like the weirdest version of that we'd ever seen. But this story is kind of the unfortunate Funniest version we'd ever yeah. seen, where he was found in it was his wife's Catwoman costume is how he was found deceased via autoerotic asphyxiation.
0: Wait, was this maybe around Halloween? Or
1: I don't remember if it was. Huh. I want to say it wasn't because when they brought him in, like they brought him in in full costume still. Oh, um. Man. Yeah. And as near as, like, whenever we talked to the officers and they gave us the story, you know, you're kind of at least somewhat concerned. We're just like, man, how did the wife take it? Did did she know about the, she was like, no, she knew that this was kind of his thing.
0: Wow. I wanted to ask how how you knew that it was his wife's costume.
1: Yeah, she. I don't know if she knew necessarily about the auto erotic, but she knew he liked to get into the costume. But yeah, she was like, "Well, she knew at least about part of this." And you're like, "Man, it just you don't want to be found dead in a in a skin tight Catwoman costume."
0: Wow. And what what kind of Catwoman was it? Like the Tim Burton movie version of Catwoman, or what?
1: <laughs> No, it was more of the, it was almost like a knockoff brand type thing. Like it was very Uh tight. I guess it probably, if you would have looked at it, it probably did look a little bit more like the Halle Berry, the skin tight. I mean, all Catwoman costumes, I guess, are kind of the same. It's the skin tight leather, but it was clearly a couple of sizes too small for him. So it was really tight.
0: Okay. But it reminds me now, you said that guy who wrapped himself up in, in the cellophane or whatnot. Maybe this guy also had some kind of fetish of being Bond. So it's not the Catwoman costume; it's it's the skin tight aspect of it, and it only happens to be that he has a catwoman costume in the house
1: yeah i mean it could have been but if it the, if that was his thing if he just liked the bondage type you know he could have invested in his own something and not his wife's catwoman thing but who may who knows but yeah that's like because we've talked about before on the show you're not really laughing at the person but just the circumstance you're just like man that is unfortunate
0: well i i'm actually laughing at you for having to deal with that shit
1: yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's just one of those things like because it, there's almost like a theatrical element, too, because you roll the body in and zipped up in a body bag. So there's this kind of reveal as you unzip and open the thing to sort of see like, oh, this is what it is today. Wow. Even, I mean, you know, the story beforehand, but you even that you seeing it and reading it are two different things.
0: How, how does the staff react to that?
1: I mean, there was some laughter.
0: <laughs>
1: there was there was some genuine amusement. <laughs>
0: you don't work for them anymore so you can spill yeah. beans
1: now everybody had a good chuckle like there was nobody like clutches their pearls and just like gasps and like oh i can't believe blah blah no it's just it's it's just something funny to see in a morgue because you know what you see most of the time in the morgue is cut open dead bodies Yeah, you very rarely see anyone in a costume, much less a Catwoman costume, much less a man wearing it. It's one of those like you're in a serious environment and then like something rolls in and you're told it. I I guess it's like trying not to like chuckle or laugh at a funeral. (laughs) Yeah. It's that kind of environment, but you're just like, what are we? Are we not supposed to acknowledge that this is pretty silly?
0: And also, I think there it's not funny the manner of death, because everybody, as you no. said, is already familiar with autoerotic asphyxiation, but rather the circumstances
1: yeah so it's like, yeah, we've seen autoerotic deaths before, so it's not like we're shocked or like particularly amused by that. We're just like, yeah, it happens, but it doesn't necessarily always happen like this, hmm. so yeah, that was the
0: he he died the classic way of ligature around the neck or something like that, yes, okay. Because I found it very interesting that autoerotic death does not need to be associated with ligature around the neck. As you said, somebody can just smother themselves or crush yeah, themselves.
1: Because I think it's all in sort of how you worded on the death certificate, and people don't typically think about that kind of stuff, where you would put cause of death, like autoerotic asphyxiation, but then below it, you would put due to uh, ligature hanging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, in the other one's case, where he wrapped himself up, it was be autoerotic asphyxiation due to however they would have worded that
0: whatever they worded uh, in that famous controversial case in Georgia. <laughs> oh, that, not that gonna name?
1: No, I wasn't even talking about that. I was talking about the <laughs> the guy that wrapped himself up. Oh, I know, uh, I know, but yeah, it's yeah.
0: the same manner of death.
1: Yeah. Well, that one was positional asphyxia. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I thought it, it's because of the mat and being engulfed in it. Uh,
1: well, I mean, that's where the asphyxia comes in, mm-hmm. but it, that's positional and how he wound up. You still have to at least account for these other folks. Like, this is an autoerotic based type thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ready for the more fucked up stuff.
1: <laughs> now, I've told this story to sort of ease in a little bit more. On my show, when I recorded with my old coworker Jess, I told the story of the maggots. Um, Mm -hmm. on the floor. I don't know if I've ever told that on your stuff.
0: You haven't, but you did talk about that during one of your discussion episodes.
1: Yeah. So just briefly, we had a case come in that was, it was decomposed and it was just like, just mountains of maggots on this person.
0: Okay, what, what, what does it take to get like a, mount, a mountain of maggots on a person? Is that usually normal if somebody is out there for a prolonged period?
1: Not necessarily. No, it's rare to, not rare, but ne- just because the body's decomposed, you don't see this many maggots on somebody. It could have been, like sometimes you'll if, if it's a homicide, and I only say that because usually in a homicide, there's some sort of open wound. And when there's an open wound, you get more maggots. Um, yeah, it makes sense. So like if someone just dies, like dies naturally, like collapses and falls, but it's outside. They may have some maggots to them, but not going to have too many. So I don't really remember what this guy's story was, but we just opened the bag and it was just like so many maggots and we have, we had two shop vacs vacuums uh, for that. And we had a smaller one and a bigger one that rarely got used, but we were like, I don't think the small one's going to work this time. So we used the big one and sucked up all of these maggots. And we, like I was, this was my first year on the job and I'd never really dealt with something like that. So we just sucked up the maggots and it was never told to us that we needed to take the cans of bug spray we had in there. And basically when we were done sucking up the maggots, we needed to open the top of the shop vac and just like fume the entire inside of it to kill the maggots. We weren't told to do that. So we just sucked them up and put the shop vac to the side.
0: Okay. Is it maybe like you guys don't like doing autopsies on animals, so you sure as heck are not going to be out killing animals.
1: Yeah, yeah. Are you calling a maggot an animal?
0: Well, a maggot is an animal. <laughs> I guess. <laughs>
1: So, we just put the shop vac to the side, did the case, finished it, cleaned up uh, the decomp room, and went home for the day. And then the next day we walked in, almost all of those maggots had crawled out of the shop vac overnight and had covered the floor of they'd crawled all into the decont room then outside <laughs> into this little vestibule area and then they made their way all the way into the actual morgue itself and like the floor it so we just always called it the moving floor case because there were so many maggots moving up and down that the floor was just moving it was <laughs> insane and it was totally our fault mine and uh my coworker's fault for not thinking that that might be something that could happen
0: Oh, man. A great example of the horror of your job, but not necessarily the horror laughing at somebody's tragedy or death, because this is like totally the fuck upery started because of the way you handled the job.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that thing was, you know, that was on me that
0: time. and I like this motif of uh moving floor
1: yeah that's I mean, kind of what it looked like I was also thinking about like just randomly other cases that I'd worked on because like I've told you you know the the photo of me that made its way to the public there were other photos that were just randomly taken to me while I worked throughout the years um, and I think I still have them somewhere and I just remember one of them was a it was like a plane crash type thing so th- p- these people were like in pieces okay uh so at a certain point you're trying to match which body parts go with which body. Like I had just picked up. It, it, it's weird. To, I guess, I guess it's weird for people to hear. Like I just picked up a random arm, <laughs> just a random person's arm.
0: Which people, nobody's listening now. Everybody yeah. <laughs> tuned out as soon as we okay. started with the maggots.
1: Okay. Well, Fine. Good. So anyway, (laughs) I picked up this person's arm and just how like I was holding it, like it was basically from not quite the shoulder, but about three quarters way up of the bicep all the way down to their hand is what I picked up. And the way it was, I had sort of held it while I was moving it, like the hand had sort of closed a little bit, but and yet the middle finger was still sticking
0: up. (laughs) Oh, you, you actually showed me this photo. Okay.
1: Yeah, I did show you that, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our photographer was just like, as he did, he would just randomly take photos of what we were doing as we were working, but he always was just clicking that shutter button. And so he caught me with holding that arm, <laughs> giving the middle finger.
0: Wow. Wow. And yeah. like, <laughs> ugh, I, I'm not even going to get into that. <laughs> Out of all the pictures. Mm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's why when that photo leaked it was like well and I've, we've gone we've talked about this it was like
0: well i i don't know if my listeners know anything about this <laughs> yeah well now, now they're gonna be googling you man
1: yeah there, there's a reason i'm not with gbi anymore uh but like whenever that photo leaked i like it never occurred to me that it would be an issue i was like because number one there were so many other photos that were just randomly taken of me and not just yeah. me of my co-workers so there were so many photos that i was like oh this doesn't matter or, or so i I naively thought but I, I guess I'm at least I don't know which one would have been worse the one that leaked or the one of me holding the arm with the middle finger yeah.
0: also the one that leaked you were not alone in the original photo it was cropped in the news. yeah
1: Yeah. You see the doctor I was working with. She was in the background and I was in the middle of the morgue. You may have been able to see more, but I don't, Mm -hmm. there was definitely somebody else in the thing, but they cropped it out just to make it look like how they made it look.
0: Because the photo with the middle finger on the cutoff arm, I saw that one. I think somebody else is there with you holding that arm.
1: Yeah, there may have been. I'd have to check it again, but uh, there probably was.
0: And listeners, this is just a normal day in the job of a GBI death investigator.
1: Yeah. And I would not just GBI, but most people that work in a morgue, mm-hmm. Um, because I got a there's a friend of mine who I, I won't. She works in a morgue in Georgia. That's all I'll say. And she knows all this stuff that happened to me. And she didn't even work in the office I worked in. And she's just like, yeah, we had way crazier shit than that happened. And I was like, I'm aware. Um, But here we are. Yeah. But yeah. So all that fun stuff. And then the other there was one case going back to the what we were actually talking about. There was one case that. The <laughs> cat I didn't actually see, but I, I swear to God that this, tr- this what I'm, the story I'm about to tell you is true because it sounds fake. And I don't know if I actually ever saw the case itself. I may have, but I don't have a clear memory.
0: So is it like an urban legend in, in the morgue?
1: No, no. It was, I'm pretty sure it was a, another investigator who came in and ran the case by a doctor to see if they wanted to bring it in mm-hmm. or what. So I heard it, but I don't think I was there if it did come in. I don't, okay. I never saw it, but I swear I heard this story and it was uh, the story is there was this family that moved into this house or maybe family of the person who lived in the house but anyway this family and this kid come driving to this house the kid jumps out and he start and he's kind of running around the yard and he eventually makes his way to the backyard and the family and other people are sort of standing in the front yard and the kid comes running back to the front yard and he's like mom dad he's like someone left their Halloween decorations hanging in the tree back in the
0: backyard oh my my okay well yeah th- that's good for the kid then
1: <laughs> yeah and so they go back there and they find a person had hanged themselves in the backyard but it had been out there so long and they decomposed so much that they kind of I think the coroner called in and he was just like, look, I'm not going to lie. It looked like a Halloween decoration hanging from the tree. That's how long they'd been there. It was crazy looking, mm-hmm. but I never actually got to see that one, but I swear that that was a true story. Also,
0: you, you'd think by that point that the neck would just snap and the, the corpse would fall to the ground.
1: Maybe. Uh, some. I mean, depends how it was suspended because cert- if, if it was fully suspended at a certain point, I would agree because mm-hmm. the weight and the meat in the neck would just sort of go away.
0: Uh, have you heard of the case this was i think in 2012 like a whole series of feet that washed up on the shores of british columbia and canada i think you sent me something like that so every foot was from a different person and That's i think weird. there was like 12 feet in total but the thing is this is probably from people whose dead bodies are hidden in the ocean or fell into the ocean hopped off a bridge or something they have sneakers and through time the decay on, on the foot just causes the foot to detach and then float with the sneaker
1: maybe quentin tarantino throughout his stash <laughs> That's that story. I didn't actually see it, but I, I'm pretty sure it's a true story. <laughs> and then I've only really, I've got two left. Now, which one do you, do you want to know the Georgia specific story to end with? Or do you want to know, cause there's one story about the thing that the one time in the morgue, I literally had to step out because I had unnerved myself. Yeah. So and much.
0: I, I think that will not be as terrifying to the listeners because it was just terrifying to you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we can do that one or we can do the... Okay, uh, do that one. So like, yes, you do this job enough, like you see enough things, you're like, nothing really unnerves you or so you think. But there was this one day I was working on this this case and I don't remember what the guys... I, I, that's kind of a recurring thing you'll hear me. I don't really remember what their story was. I just sort of remember what I saw. And this was a guy, he was older, like maybe 50s, 60s. I don't remember why he was there, but we were in the middle of doing his external examination. So the doctor sort of you know, doing her little things, doing her dictation. I sort of stand next to them and like, what do you need me to do this or grab this or hold this up? Whatever they need.
0: And sorry. This was very early in your career.
1: Um, it was within the first two to three years, Okay, maybe in the second year or so. So she was in the middle of doing it and at a certain point. She's like, you know, they do everything you can in terms of the external. Cause the person's laying on their back and they look over everything on their front. And then at a certain point, the doctor's like, okay, uh, roll the person on their side. So I can look at their back and finish the external. So that's what I did. So to do that, you usually, the best way to roll someone on their side is to sort of take one arm and sort of lift it above their head and then kind of reach over and grab their side and then kind of roll them towards you.
0: Okay. And how easy is that to do? Because most of the time I assume they have rigor mortis setting in.
1: Yeah. Some of them are easier than others. People that have like a lot of muscle, that's they're actually much harder to sort of break the rigor. You Mm -hmm. can still do it, but it's. Sometimes you just really have to press and we and like I I was used to that. So I knew sometimes people just had really tough rigor that you just really had to apply pressure to to break. And there's never been an occurrence before this or after because you're not pushing against like bone. You're just pushing against the stiff like muscle. So there's nothing that can really break. So she was like, all right, lift up uh, the guy's arm or let me see the guy's back. OK, so I'm lifting up the guy's arm and it feels like he's got really stiff rigor. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so I'm just applying pressure and I'm pushing his arm up. And then all of a sudden his upper arm. So like right the middle of uh, whatever that bone is around the bicep the bicep covers you and the humorous see I knew you would know (laughs) I was pushing that up and it snapped in half in my hands like I've never like just broken something like or just felt something because I've never broken a bone uh, knock on wood so I've never had that happen to me and I'd never broken anyone's arm much less a dead person and like literally like I was just trying to break the rigor and I pushed his arm up and I mean it literally snapped in half like I felt the whole arm just go. Like over itself. And I had to like, I immediately just dropped, like, let the body roll back on its back. And I stepped away and I was, and I was like, doc, I, I like, I just stood there a moment, like in shock that I had done it because what apparently had happened that the coroner didn't tell us about was that arm on that guy he had been immobile for he had had some accident he wasn't able to use it so it had atrophied over years
0: okay and what was this visually like obvious
1: no Hmm. not that i recall (laughs) but uh so it had atrophied and we didn't know so me applying the pressure think i'm thinking i'm trying to break the rigor there really wasn't any muscle or anything and the bones had sort of become kind of Decrepit. So, if I was trying to break anything, there may have been some muscle, maybe around the shoulder, but even I think that was immobile. So, I think I was just dealing with a lot of like just stiff bone that just wasn't hadn't been moved in a long time.
0: It it's very interesting to me because if he was if the arm was atrophied, that means that it has less muscle mass, so the rigor would not be as you know, apparent there, but maybe the stiffness was not because of the rigor, but because of the bone.
1: That's what I think. Yeah. So as I'm trying to push it up, yeah, it just snapped and like it, it, and it had that like almost movie, like sound of a breaking arm. What you could imagine is just like thing. And I just like put the guy, laid the guy back on his side and I just stood there a moment. And the doctor (laughs) just sort of looked, she was like, well, we'll note that in our, (laughs) <laughs> um, she's like, I'll make a note of that in my report.
0: Okay. Do, do you get in, into any kind of trouble for that? <laughs> no, you don't get any in trouble for that.
1: But I was like, doc, I need to, I, I was like, I have to walk out of the morgue right now. Like I had unnerved myself so much that I was like, let me take five, five minutes just to sort of gather myself. Cause I, like, it's just the strangest feeling to hear it. And then know you just broke this dead man's arm in half. So I walked out for a few minutes and came back and I was better. And she's like, okay, we still need to see the guys back. And I was like, okay, Okay, well, I'm not going to lift the arm again. So I went to his other side, reached over. And and so now I'm pulling what was kind of the broken arm towards me, but I'm not lifting it. But still, that's where I think I think the shoulder was atrophied too. Whenever I went to pull it, the shoulder started cracking and breaking in my hand, too, just from pulling on it so I had so like and there was nothing I could do I had to pull him up to get it let the doctor see the back I just hear it like and feel the shoulder and kind of arms sort of keep cracking in my hands as I'm doing it it was so weird
0: well it is possible the dude did not use that arm at all or move it or change its position throughout many years
1: yeah I assume that's what it was that's what had happened
0: so were you like this reaction you had was it because of the fact that you broke a dead guy's arm or is it Because of the surprise of the situation,
1: it was both. Because again, like you, you're not actively trying to cause any more harm to a dead person. Yeah, and that had never happened to me, and I wasn't expecting it either because we didn't know that that was something we had to worry about. So it just sort of all hit at once, and there's just nothing you can do but just be like, okay, I did that. Holy shit!
0: I think that's a very in a in a morbid way a sweet thing that you say because you're slicing and dicing corpses in a morgue. That's your job. But as you say, like. Like anything you do outside of the job, you see that as hurting the person, even though they're dead. So even as an autopsy technician, you still have compassion for the person.
1: Yeah. And that's why it's it's kind of equally important to to be able to do that, like to know where to cut and how to cut and not deviate from that, because there's a reason that you do it like this is because they've spent years knowing like this is the best way it's going to uh-huh. be, it's, I guess, maybe the quote unquote least intrusive in terms of like the The least amount of like, if you want to call it mutilation, the least amount of having to do that to somebody. Uh And there was another girl. I think I told you this story. She sucked at her job. (laughs) Like she, she was a terrible autopsy technician. No amount of training or retraining or re-retraining could change. Like this didn't seem to care about learning it the right way. So she had a lot of problems with, uh taking out the testicles on men.
0: Okay, this is this is perfect for a Halloween horror <laughs> episode. So, can you tell my listeners the one freaky pervert who's listening now why <laughs> why you guys take away dudes testicles
1: Uh, you're basically doing it to check for any possible trauma because I mean they are technically organs and you're supposed to check all the organs in an autopsy so you're basically looking if there's any uh, swelling or any bruising or any like you know masses that may have grown it's just part of the whole thing like rarely do you ever actually find anything but it is part of the process
0: okay so that is what they tell you in order to provide the testicles to the reptilian conspiracy
1: (laughs) do what now
0: (laughs) (laughs) is that a thing I think didn't you tell me that somebody to- asked you like or left a comment on your video or something? You guys are taking away men men's testicles, blah blah, for some kind of conspiracy purposes, like farming adrenochrome oh, or something like that.
1: Maybe that was like a YouTube comment. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. God, I forgot about that. I don't. I couldn't tell you who or what thing they did, but yeah, that was <laughs> someone did say some shit like that. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Most doctors would take them out, but we had a couple of like old school doctors who were just like, if there was no hint that anything had been done down there, they would, uh, this one doctor was pretty cool. He would just be like, just leave him dressed. And that meant don't take his testicles out. (laughs)
0: I mean you can't bury a guy without his testicles man.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean you shouldn't, right? But anyway, this girl was having a hard time removing them like she couldn't get the technique down. Not that it's super hard, but it's it's what you call a blind cut. Most of the autopsy you sort of see exactly where the scalpel's going, but for something like the neck, you sort of have to like go up into it and the scalpel goes out of your eyesight. So you call it a blind cut because it's kind of dangerous. It's kind of the same thing with testicles, how you remove them. It's sort of a blind cut that you have to go. And I won't even go into it it's, you know, but she couldn't get it down. So one day she was in the morgue and she worked in a regional office. She, this is, I mean, this is how incompetent she was. Like she was working in an office that had a far, far fewer cases came in and she couldn't keep up with it. And then she was so terrible at her job that everyone down there was just like, she can't do it. So they basically said, well, we'll retrain her. And then they retrained her. And then some corporate asshole decided, you know what? We'll just move her up to headquarters. We'll transfer her up to headquarters. Uh, and then she was terrible up here until she finally quit and who cares about. It. But anyway, while she was down there in the regional office, she was doing a case one day and the doctor just happened to look and saw her doing a cut on this dude's scrotal sac. And she looked at her and she was like, what are you doing? And she was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a new technique that I've been doing of how to remove the testicles.
0: And usually the testicles are removed via the Y incision from the inside of the body.
1: Yes. Okay. And she's cutting the outside of the testicles open to remove the, to remove them outside the outside of the sack, scrotal sac to remove the testicles. And again, that's where I go back to like, there's a reason that you stick to what you're supposed to do because you're not trying to mutilate a body. And that's basically what she had been doing because she couldn't get the right technique down. She was mutilating the outside of the body to make it easier for her and the doctors were just in shock they were like holy shit like Like they asked her to step out and then I think they photographed what she had done um, mostly just as a CYA thing, but then to also send it to headquarters and be like, what the hell is this girl doing?
0: Wow. I think it's very important that you emphasize that because oftentimes people are reluctant to have autopsies done on their loved ones. And it's very important to hear this, that the doctors, pathologists, technicians actually do care about the person and follow procedure.
1: Yeah. And that's the whole thing. they're just like, this is, Like you don't do this to somebody like there's very little chance it would come back that the family would know about it. But if it did, it's like, just know nobody in this office trained this girl to do this. Um, So we're not going to be held responsible. Like nothing came of it. Thank God. But Mm -hmm. they were like, no, we're documenting this because this is wrong and you will never do
0: this in this office again. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, But she didn't get fired for it. (laughs) She just got transferred.
0: I mean, I could make the obvious joke. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. i guess i'm gonna cut that out
1: (laughs) well i guess that was the (laughs) going all the way back that was me the one time that uh things didn't go as i thought they were gonna go and i broke a man's arm and it wasn't a pleasant experience
0: also for the listeners if you see how uh short this episode is it's because i've been slicing and dicing and cutting out a lot of my inappropriate jokes here (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and then uh I get just this one last story, which is kind of the funniest story. And it's the most like, wow, only in Georgia, <laughs> this was a case. And what made it funny was the coroner that called in this case, he was black. And the way he reported this case, like he was bending over backwards to not have to say <laughs> the parts of this story just because of how amusing it was and how he just, you'll understand when we get to it. Okay. Um,
0: Because I I can already sense a few people kind of, you know, (laughs) they're here standing up because of that comment.
1: Yeah. So this is like this case got called in and it was i don't know if it actually came into us maybe it did maybe it didn't i can't remember the coroner calls in and he's like yeah the uh the, it, the dude was older so it, it it seemed like he had just collapsed like he had just kind of died and collapsed on the floor of his bedroom
0: and is this the story that we can actually laugh at oh yeah I think it's that story. okay <laughs>
1: got just okay. no listeners there is a big laugh coming okay. um okay. So we're like, okay. So the the, the coroner's going walking through the case, and he's like, okay. Uh, we think it's witness collapse. He's older. He probably doesn't need to come in. I forget why even the coroner thought to even call the case in. Maybe there's something else I can't remember. He was just like, he looks like he was getting dressed for work. I was, but the wife for, for had work.
0: Th- For quotation marks. Yeah. He
1: had a, well, they said he had like a, I don't know if they said a work meeting, but they said he was looked like he was getting dressed to go to a meeting, a meeting. (laughs) 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 So the wife found him and this is like five, five o'clock or so in the afternoon. And we're just like, what meeting is he getting dressed for at five o'clock in the afternoon to go to? And the coroner, there's just this pause and he's just like, He's like, I can't confirm what kind of meeting he was about to go to. He's like, I can only tell you what it looked like he was about to change into. He's like, because what I'm looking at right now in this older white man's room is his... (laughs) His clansman uniform.
0: Wow. <laughs> and the corner is black.
1: Yeah. And not just he had like the uniform like laid out on his bed to change into, he had it hanging up on kind of a mannequin in his room. Oh. So wow. like the so the coroner has to walk in and probably for a split second think that there's a clansman standing in
0: the room. <laughs> wow the the imagery of that that's so fucks up
1: (laughs) yeah and and the corner is just like it took him a minute to sort of like dance around what he was seeing and when he told us i'm like man are you comfortable out there he's like i'm fine there's officers out here oh yeah but uh
0: Well well props to the coroner, man. It 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 would take like a lot to, to yeah. be comfortable in that situation.
1: Yeah, because I think he had I don't think he was standing in the middle like reporting the case. I think he actually walked to a quiet place where he was alone so that he could talk
0: and explain the story. But also you you need to interact with the family going yeah. into that house and you need to speak with those people knowing yeah. the shit. It- <laughs>
1: It's just like the luck of the draw for that corner that day. Oh man. Um, and we're just like all right man Uh, thanks for calling it in we would advise you to leave that house as quickly as you possibly can um, he's like oh I'm I'm out of here as soon as I'm off the phone with you guys
0: <laughs> <laughs> that dude sounds like the coolest dude ever
1: yeah so yeah that was like one of those like I don't know if it's only in Georgia like because there are some other <laughs> they had their chapters in other southern states but of course it was Georgia that we had to see and deal with But this. like
0: w- why does he have a hanging mannequin in a Klansman suit in his room
1: because he's old and he's proud of it.
0: <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> because
1: like that's the thing. Like true racists in in this world are are proud of their racism.
0: <laughs> like they don't up. hide it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh man. <laughs>
1: So yeah, so he was in his costume of sorts or trying to change into it.
0: And what happened to him? He had a heart attack or something?
1: I don't remember. Like, I don't remember if he actually came in for anything because again, like he get when someone over a certain age gets called in and there's no trauma to them or no suspicions of drugs or anything, we don't necessarily look at that case as needing an autopsy, especially if it just looks like he collapsed while he was changing his clothes.
0: And in in that very moment when he was changing into a Klansman suit, I'd say he was smitten by karma
1: yeah you know again going back to the things that you don't want to get caught doing in this world or changing or being found his is the georgia version of that i guess so i think it's perfectly fine to laugh at that asshole oh yeah so
0: yeah i can easily say fuck him yeah,
1: yeah. Th- that's those are the stories I had.
0: <laughs> okay, I remember one other story I want you to share, and this is the most fucked up one. The Klansman one is the most fucked up one morally, but uh, <laughs> related to the circumstances of what you actually need to do and the condition of the body. Can you tell us the story of the bone soup man?
1: Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> It seems like in every few years, there's a there's a soup case that comes in. Because when I first started, like other people that had worked there for a while, we're talking about what they called soup guy. And I don't remember exactly what their story was, but they just called him soup guy. And you're like, okay, whatever. And then again, after I was there two, three years, I got my own soup guy (laughs) that I believe the story was all of these people were doing drugs they were all kind of drug addicts they were hanging out doing drugs and this guy overdosed and died and all of these other junkies Freaked out that they now had a dead body and they didn't want to call the cops because they had all these drugs. Yeah. So their brilliant, brilliant solution was one of them had a truck with one of those like big metal toolboxes in the back. So they basically took that toolbox, emptied out whatever was in it, and stuffed this guy's body into it, closed it, and then dug a hole and buried the the toolbox this was spring summertime in georgia and basically let it sit there for a week
0: okay and this is a metal toolbox yes okay so yeah it's like a furnace inside
1: yeah so at a certain point one of the people who did drugs had a guilty conscience so he goes and confesses to the police and the police drive out and dig up the toolbox and instead of Doing what they're supposed to do in terms of like retrieving the body, putting it in a body bag, and all that stuff. Their solution was we'll just let the Emmy's office deal with all of it. So they just lifted, had several people lift up the toolbox entirely, and they brought in the entire thing. The body was delivered to us still in the, this huge, heavy duty metal toolbox. And so we had to bring it down to the decomp room and basically had to get up on a like table next to it to get leverage. Coverage, open it up. And when we opened it, like I said, it's been sitting in the ground a week in South Georgia in the summer. And when we opened it up, it was just soup. Soup. <laughs> And maggots and basically had to like pull this dude's like skeletal remains out of it wow. uh, I mean there was still some like tissue and stuff that hadn't completely broken down but he was he was very quickly getting to bone so he was about there may have been like as far as what tissue was left there was probably maybe half maybe a little bit less of half of the tissue was still on his body
0: here's a question for you what's worse like seeing a, a body in that kind of state or let's say a body that was violently murdered
1: in terms of like just like visually hmm uh-huh probably the violent one
0: because i i'd also imagine you get used to decomposition and it becomes yeah. a normal natural thing for you but the violence is symbolizing to you what happened to this person and then you know your emotions come into play but there's yeah. nothing emotional about just the natural process of decomposition
1: that like the the biggest headache of dealing with soup guy was that we actually had to like pick him up out of it which isn't an easy task because he's they have the he's in a toolbox but the toolbox is sitting on top of a exam table so it's already pretty high up and it's just a pain in the ass to sort of get the body up out of the toolbox and then down on the exam table and then you sort of have to sift through the soup and get whatever else is left in there that's a headache but it's not like it doesn't like stick with you in terms of like if someone's like truly like violently murdered
0: Oh yeah, the, that that's why I asked. So for people who are who don't think about these things as deep, and maybe I'm already conditioned because I we've been friends for like two years now. Mm-hmm. I've I've listened to all of these stories already. Decay is just decay, you know, and it becomes a normal part of the job. But it's what what yeah. humans do to other humans that's fucked up. I wanted to ask. So mm-hmm. in those situations, like a soup guy, you have only the bones. Do you need to bring in and? anthropologist
1: maybe because you know when they're that far gone, it's hard to actually scientifically identify them.
0: But uh, but also because of the cause of death, so I think the junkies did themselves a very huge disservice because now you just got a soup with bones, and there is no way to determine that this guy died of an overdose. So they can still be yeah. suspects of a potential murder because you don't know if it's a murder.
1: Yeah, and they can still be charged with uh like covering or hiding a dead body. That's a crime. I don't know what they ultimately got charged for, but yeah, they were just they were just stupid and made a bad. Decision decision um they didn't kill anybody but they didn't (laughs) they could have made better decisions but they were high
0: yeah okay man let's keep this short and can i say (laughs) that this is sweet man (laughs) i think this is my only true crime episode yeah yeah because and
1: only some of them were crimes
0: yeah yeah but uh equally horrifying there's nothing more scary than life and death itself (laughs)
1: <laughs> and sometimes there's nothing scarier than a mannequin clansman standing in the bedroom.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> I'd like to think like how do those people now that the whole town knows their dirty little secret? How do they live with themselves after that?
1: Well, you have to imagine there's probably other people at this meeting he was going to, so it's probably not a big as dirty secret or some. Mm-hmm. Cuz that's one of those things like to you and me, general public who don't know these people, it's probably oh, that's a secret they got out, but to them and their family and friends and maybe even to the community they they It was probably known.
0: I don't feel bad at all that we are referring to them as these people. (laughs) These people. Yeah,
1: (laughs) we did. I did. uh, Well, I didn't take that case, but the investigator that did was like talking to the coroner. They were like, dude, can you please get photos of this mannequin and send it to us? Because we need to see this. And he, I don't think, I don't know if he did. I think he was like, I'll try. He's like, but I'm not going out of my way. (laughs) to stay here any longer than i have to (laughs) and we're like do what you can man
0: (laughs) i think it's such a cool thing that like it all transpired via phone call like the dude has support from you guys even if he finds himself in this kind of situation where he's brought back to the to the 1920s man or 1800s
1: i mean and And I mean, that's another thing. He was also surrounded by cops and you could argue, well, some of those cops could have known it's like, well, maybe they could have, but these are cops out in the public with lots of people around. Mm -hmm. So no matter what they think or feel, they, the coroner was still pretty safe.
0: Yeah. Obviously he's pretty safe, but it's just, it's the culture shock and you know just coming to terms with what what you're witnessing there
1: yeah because again like it's one of those things about the south where yeah we know that stuff happened and we know there's still people around that think a certain kind of way but it's like it, it, their numbers just get smaller every year so it's not it, it's not like there's some big resurgence in the clan that anyone's worrying about it's like no in time th- there's always going to be stupid people so there may always be people who consider themselves clansmen but the numbers are just going to dwindle and those people are always just going to be seen as more pathetic than anything else
0: oh yeah you you know of that black jazz musician who and uh, he's turned
1: people and he got that's weird that's only in america because that dude's been criticized by more like left-leaning people recently hmm. because he's Yeah, Someone even get into the politics of that. But yeah, he's a guy that basically went out of his way to talk to people who he thought might have been racist. And he really all he ever did was just say, hey, you want to have a talk or conversation? I'll buy you a drink. And all he ever did was talk to him. And that was enough for a lot of these people just to throw all that shit behind them. Daryl Davis. Yeah, yeah. Daryl Davis.
0: Um, this ideology is fueled by isolation. You're not exposed to other people and uh, you have people from different sides telling you the same shit over and over. You are not exposed to the compassion and humanity of other people.
1: Well, I always say it's it's the bottom line is always just ignorance. This is where like the cynical side of me, because when people really get up in their feelings, like we have to get rid of racism and that bigotry and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's always going to be here mm-hmm. because there's uh, all that bigotry, prejudice, racism. It all comes from people who are stupid or ignorant. If you're saying that we have to get rid of it, and the only way you're going to do that is to get rid of the ignorant people, good luck with that. There will always be stupid people. Always.
0: Well, I I think we need to integrate the stupid people with the smart people and expose each other to each other. That's the only way.
1: Yeah, that's how you do it. But even if you do... get to as many as you can still like statistically there are always going to be a few stupid people you don't get to yeah. like you're it's like trying it's kind of the idea of like when america had like the war on terror it's like what why the hell would you say something like that you're never gonna we're gonna get rid of 100 percent of terror is that your end game because that's a stupid thing to think you can do
0: and then it goes full circle and then the war on terror becomes the war of terror yeah. Let's not it, go political, man. <laughs> yeah. This is a fun, a very, very fun Halloween episode.
1: Yeah. yeah, That's my cynical side of just like, I, I know why people think a certain way, but I'm, I, I'm just too cynical to believe that it's like, no, there's always going to be stupid people like this asshole who thinks, yeah, yeah. who thinks it's cool to have a Klansman uniform hanging up in his house.
0: What, what a fucking dipshit, man. And yeah. I think it's so ironic that we talked about so many fucked up shit in this episode for a halloween episode and yet we came back full circle to (laughs) the old school image of a sheet ghost yeah nothing spookier and scarier than grown-ass men who dress up as ghosts outside of halloween (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) we're ending it here then okay bye-bye see ya